Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we are speaking with Kevin Monahan. Power isn't control at all. Power is strength and giving that strength to others. A leader isn't someone who forces others to make him stronger. A leader is someone willing to give his strength to others that they may have strength to stand on their own. Beth Revis. Kevin Monaghan, a 27-year veteran in public education, has truly become an authentic leader. He taught biology in one of Pennsylvania's premier school districts, South Fayette School District, before moving to the South Park School District, where he's currently the middle school principal and federal programs coordinator. It was in the South Fayette School District where his passion to serve and lead others, was realized and cultivated. That set him on a fantastic journey of self-awareness and reflection that he hopes is contributing to the needed transformation of our current educational system. Along with these roles, Kevin is a national speaker who presents with his good friend and colleague, Dr. Rob Furman. Between presentations, Rob and Kevin have created a podcast that is dedicated to the Keeping It Simple method called The Practical Principles. This podcast serves as an outreach to their parents and community members to address topics that are relevant to their understanding of how to help children succeed in schools, as well as providing insights to the operation of the educational system. Kevin states that he has been very fortunate to have the encouragement and support of his family, friends, and colleagues in this ever-evolving personal and professional journey. He feels extremely blessed to have many opportunities to contribute to the personal and professional growth of others. So welcome, Kevin Monahan. How are you? I'm blessed. Thank you for having me, Lily. I appreciate that. Well, we are super excited to have you on our podcast. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am ready. Great. Now, Kevin, can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now? Well, I started out as a classroom teacher in one of the premier school districts in the state of Pennsylvania, South Fayette. And just like I think with most of administrators and people in leadership, somebody has to recognize the potential in you. Mm-hmm. So there was a superintendent who saw potential in me and really encouraged me to volunteer and participate on the various you know, committees that were offered, like curriculum committees, safety committees, or whatever else the district needed. And so as a result of that, I would participate you know, wherever the district needed me. So as a teacher, I then became a grade level team leader moving up in leadership. And at that point, I decided to go back and start taking classes for my Master of Education and Secondary Principal Certification. So at South Fayette, I taught for about 10 years as a life science and biology teacher, along with the teaching. I've coached multiple sports, soccer, basketball, swimming, baseball. 
Mm-hmm. And so at the end of that 10 years, I attained my secondary principal certification and I was called to a position at a neighboring school district as an assistant high school principal. And after spending a year in that position, I was recruited by my current school district to come over as an assistant middle school principal. So after three years, I was promoted to principal. And while serving in that capacity, you know, I have to wear multiple hats, Um, you know, with like budget cuts, many of us have to take on many roles. So I also took on the role as a curriculum coordinator, along with the federal programs role. So to this day, I'm still the principal at the middle school and the federal programs coordinator for the South Park School District. So you still wear many hats. Uh, We all have to. And I also read you are a fellow podcaster. Yes, I am. A friend of mine, Dr. Rob Furman, he has a website. He's been traveling for years. He has written a number of books. Uh, A few years ago, he asked me to join him doing presentations all over the country. And a lot of our presentations deal with instructional technology. One of our presentations is called Don't Worry, Be Happy. And what we do is we discuss (laughs) educational applications that teachers can use uh, we were at a, um, the Illinois Library and Association conference, and we were able to present there. And it's just interesting to, you know, sit down and collaborate with people, see what they're doing in their classrooms, and even just introducing, you know, new technology to them that they can use to better affect our students in the classroom. So how are you liking this podcasting? Oh, I'm loving this. The podcast is called The Practical Principles. And what we did was we tried to reach out to our parents because at the elementary center, it seems like there is a high level of engagement from parents. Mm -hmm. But when you get to the middle school and the high school, it drops off drastically. Right. So in order to try to keep that engagement up, Rob and I put together different podcasts that we make available to our parents and community members. And we just talk about issues like, you know, how to help your child study. So many times we get from parents that this new math, I don't understand it. How do we do this and how do we do that? So we try to put together topics that are interesting for the parent, such as studying, something like that. How to set up, you know, a study carol for your child. How is the best way, you know, when your child comes home, like what should you do to try to be consistent with routine? We go through all of that. We talk Mm -hmm. about what to do if your child is being bullied what to do if uh, your child is experiencing any kind of academic difficulties, who to reach out to. So these podcasts are more of like, you know, self-help type of thing that allows a parent and gives them some useful ideas where they can reach out to the school. I love it. Yeah. And it's more about partnering with the schools and the home, seeing us as actual partners and not adversaries. I love it. You know, the reason I chose podcasting is because you can access a podcast doing almost anything else. Like if you're super busy, you can at least listen to a podcast. So I think that's a great way to go. So it's called again, Practical Principles, plural. Perfect. So Kevin, how would you describe your leadership style? Oh my, the old Kevin or the new Kevin? You know what? Tell us about the old Kevin and how you shifted and why. Okay. It's been an amazing evolutionary process. When I first began my career, I mean, I grew up as a person of faith and I'm still a person of faith. And the way that my parents had raised me, I've always had like a servant's heart. And I always felt that in order to be an effective leader, I had to serve others. And that's biblical in nature as well. Mm -hmm. So when I first began my career, I took on more of a servant leadership role. 
because I grew up in an environment that stressed that service beyond self type of viewpoint. So over the years, though, as a result of that, I've become more of an authentic leader in the sense that now I am more reflective and self-aware of my actions. Like before, I would focus on serving others and I would want to do things on my own and I would attempt to do them my own way instead of taking the time to empower someone to do it and understand that, hey, they may do it differently than I do it, but it's still going to get done. Not micromanage things as much. And it wasn't that I was doing it intentionally, mm-hmm. but I thought that I needed to be doing more on my end if I was to lead. As an authentic leader now, I'll reflect on my practices. Like every day, at the end of the day, I reflect upon what has transpired in my day. I look back to see if I could have handled things differently, if I could have handled conversations differently, my relationships or interactions differently. And I've become more self-aware of things that I say and the things that I do. You know, before it used to be my wife and daughter would draw those to my attention, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, but now I'm able to at least sit back and almost recognize most things that I need to be aware of. I'm always assessing my strengths now, which is something that I haven't done early on in my career. And not only my strengths, but I also look at the areas where I need to improve. And I keep a journal mm-hmm. and I write things down in my journal that help me to stay focused on those areas. Because how many times we say, oh, I need to improve in this area. But if I don't write something down, it kind of goes by the wayside or it's forgotten. So by writing it down, it's a tangible representation of what I need to do and what I need to work on. Another thing that I've done too is I practice more transparency in my relationships. You know, before I used to think that people would get mad at me. And that used to be a big thing as a leader. Mm -hmm. Sometimes making decisions, even the right decisions, are going to upset people. And over time, I've really learned that, you know, as long as I'm doing the right thing for the right reason, I need to be able to live with that decision. Mm -hmm. And there's always going to be somebody upset. The biggest thing, Lily, that I learned to listen empathically Mm -hmm. to people. And not just like hearing the words come out of their mouth. Mm -hmm. But it's also looking at their body language. It's also listening to their tone and their cadence of speech to really feel what they are trying to tell me. And that's part of being an authentic leader. I've learned too that you have to be a lifelong learner. And Mm -hmm. I don't know everything. And if I think that I do, boy, I am totally mistaken. So I try to surround myself with good people who inspire me. I read authors that are inspirational I think as an authentic leader, though, I think it's a holistic approach to leadership that allows you to lead and empower others. I love that. You can hear in your journey, your progression, your growth. You also said that you coached. Mm -hmm. Now, did that experience influence how you lead? Oh, my. That is a great question because I want to say that everything I learned about leadership happened from coaching. Tell us. I was hired by South Fayette as a biology, AP biology teacher. And as part of that hiring, I was responsible for starting our very first girls soccer team. Now, it was very eye-opening because you have 24 different people with different types of attitudes and unique styles. (laughs) Was it middle school or high school, you said? Oh, this was high school. This was high school. Yeah. And so I remember coming home one day after school and after practice, and I said to my wife, what did I do? And 
she was like, Kevin, she goes, you need to focus. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> my big thing. If I see a squirrel or a shiny object, <laughs> it's a lot of us. Yeah, I have to focus. Right. So as a result of working with 24 individuals who all have unique styles and dealing with 48 parents of those 24 individuals and dealing with their teachers whenever they are struggling, you really build certain types of relationships that you begin to understand that leadership is about relationship. Leadership is about pouring in strength to people, pouring in validation to people, to know that they are worthy, to know that they can accomplish whatever they want. And so by taking those principles that I learned through coaching, that is how I approach my leadership with my staff. You know, we're afforded opportunities to pour into people and to make a difference in the lives of others. And I think that that is such an awesome opportunity. And I believe that I sent you a quote in my leader statement. Yes, you did. Uh, and that pretty much says a lot about who I am as a person now as a result of those experiences. Yes, I did share that quote. It certainly speaks to what you're talking about. When they talk about leaders, you mm -hmm. know, we always talk about strong leaders. But strong leaders are those that are able to inspire those around them and encourage them. So the strength that a leader is actually emulating a strength that he's to be pouring out to other people so that they can use that strength so that they can become leaders in their own right. That's right. Now, you mentioned lifelong learning. Yes. What does that mean to you and what are you learning now? It's been a long process. I love to learn. I love to read. I read a lot of John Maxwell books because I find him very inspiring and he's a man of faith. And it's something that, you know, a lot of his writings have a biblical influence to it. The reason why I say that about reading his things is because a lot of the principles that we put in place in leadership, they are there you know, in other doctrines. It's nothing that is new or revolutionary. It's always been there. It's just how we approach it and how we understand and comprehend what that means to each and every individual. Mm -hmm. So lifelong learning. When I got my undergrad, it was in biology and I wasn't going to explore the teaching component. I mean, that was the furthest thing from my mind. <laughs> and <laughs> I started coaching soccer and I fell in love with working with the kids. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. So what I did was I signed up for classes and I got my teaching certification and after I received my teaching certification, I started, you know, my first, I call it real job. And that was when I was encouraged by my superintendent to push myself further. And by pushing myself further, you know, she would give me things to read or she would take time to actually be a mentor for me, to talk with me about things. I thought that was special because as a superintendent, you don't have a lot of time. And it might have only been like five minutes or 10 minutes here and there. But what happened is because she noticed something in me that I felt encouraged and I started to build a passion. And I said, listen, I want more of what that person has. I want to be like that person. And so I signed up for a master's program and I got my secondary principal certification. And then once I did that, I went for my superintendent's letter of eligibility. I attained that. And soon after, I enrolled in my doctoral classes here at California University of Pennsylvania. And it's just been an amazing experience because there are so many things that I think we as educators and people take for granted. Mm -hmm. 
And the classes just allow you to slow things down and to really break concepts down and really think them over and reflect upon them. And the more I reflect on various leadership styles or strategies, I really take them to heart and I try to put them into practice wherever I can. Those that I feel are going to help me to be more effective in what I do. Lifelong learners also means to surround yourself with inspirational people and people that are going to mentor you or give you solid advice. Not those naysayers who seem to always drag you down or want to pull you down that same hole that they're in. Lifelong learning too means being open to new experiences, to be open to new ideas, not being afraid to take risks. I think sometimes many leaders get stuck in the status quo. You know, they like things because it's easy. Here's the thing, if we're going to make any change in our educational system, there has to be a transformation in how we look at education and how we understand how teachers teach and students learn. And so it's only by associating yourself with wise people and learned people that we are able to move forward and to grow personally and professionally. You really are spot on because transformation is the key, but transformation needs to begin with each individual. We can't change anything if we don't focus on changing ourselves, right? All change begins inside. Even as a young leader, I wish that somebody would have told me. That way, I may have listened to it, mm-hmm. but I may have better understood what they were talking about. Great. Now, tell us about some quotes that speak to you and why. I think that without integrity, I mean, you are lost as a leader. One of the quotes that I really like from Zig Ziglar, it says, with integrity, you have nothing to fear since you have nothing to hide. You will do the right thing so you will have no guilt. And there's a freedom that comes with that. Yeah. So when I'm home and I walk through that door and I look myself in the mirror before I go to bed every night, mm-hmm. I know that I have left it all at school. I gave it my all and I have no regrets. Beautifully said. And there are two other ones that mm-hmm. I really love. I don't know if you knew this about us, but you know we have an all educator band that I put together for our anti-bullying program. What? Yeah, I'll get into that later. <laughs> so is it a Motley Crew? No, no, we play like classic rock, rock oh. and roll. We play oh. a little bit of country and blues, and uh-huh. it's pretty fun. We even write our own stuff, which is pretty cool. There are two other individuals that I highly respect, and I use their quotes and their tenets and beliefs in a lot of how I operate. One is from Dr. Martin Luther King, and it says, "The time is always right to do." what is right. And then to what you had stated prior about how you need to change yourself first before you could see a change in the world around you. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi, what he stated was, you must be the change you want to see in the world. One of my favorite quotes. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's always been at my heart because how many times do we go through this life and we try to change everybody around us, but when in reality, (laughs) we need to start focuses within And then once we have successfully changed ourselves from within, our actions and our words will help shape everything outside. Absolutely right. Thank you so much for that. Now, Kevin, what's Mm -hmm. the best advice you've ever received? Oh, my, I have a couple of those, if you don't mind. Of course. (laughs) I'd like to hear these because I've interviewed over 140 people. Can you imagine just getting the best advice they've ever received? I can write a book. You should. (laughs) So here you go. I got one more. These are gold nuggets. 
as an educator, the best advice that I received was about when I make decisions, I always ask myself in the school setting, what is always in the best interest of the child or in the best interest of my students? So when I'm making decisions that impact my school and impact my kids, that is the very first question that I ask myself. And I weigh my decision based on the impacts. I also was told I need to spend more time with people who build me up and inspire me because you know as well as I do, if you tend to hang around negative people, you'll pick mm-hmm. up negative characteristics. Mm-hmm. So you control who you choose to be with. So choose to be with people who edify you, build you up. I also was told when you do anything, you do all things with excellence. You give your best effort. That way there is no shame or no regret at the end of the day when you do something. And finally, just act morally and ethically in all situations, you know, without waiver. And at the end of the day, there are no regrets. Bonus. That's great advice. I appreciate that. When you spoke about having people around you who inspire you, it reminded me of a quote by John Maxwell. I was on a call with him. He was mentoring a whole bunch of us. And he said, if your inner circle doesn't inspire you, it's not an inner circle. It's a cage. Oh, that's great. I love his work. I think that he is so insightful. And, you know, I encourage your listeners to pick up one of his books. You know, I just finished, again, this is my third read of Developing the Leader Within Mm. 2.0. It's just nice to be able to read things again because Mm -hmm. you glean more information, I think, the second and third time through things. Right. Hey, leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. If you're a parent or know parents who want some insights on how to raise leaders, then go to our online course, Raising Leaders, where we help you to equip your children to lead themselves well and face any future with confidence. Go to udemy.com, that's U-D-E-M-Y.com forward slash Raising Leaders to get instant access. And let's collectively master leadership. Now, Kevin, speaking of what you've been reading, is there anything else that our listeners should read, watch, or listen to, and why? For myself, podcasts, I try to get all different types of opinions. Mm -hmm. I look at progressive people. Mm -hmm. I look at those people that are more traditional because I believe that not all of them are right in their approach. And I don't believe that all of them are all wrong in their approach. And I try to make my own decision based on how I feel as a result of listening to that based on my prior knowledge on those topics. Mm -hmm. A good friend of mine, he's written a few books and he's more progressive than I am about a lot of things. And, you know, we'll get into some pretty interesting conversations. And uh, times I take more of a traditionalist approach. However, Some of his comments are very sound and, you know, I can find myself agreeing with them. I don't know how I do that, but I do find myself agreeing with him on those things. I love that because I think what's happening now is a lot of us are becoming polarized and we stop doing that, take a step back and start to listen to each other and add value to each other. I think that's key. And that's what you do. And honestly, You said it perfectly. This nation has become so polarized that no one can have an effective debate without insulting another person. And that's what used to, I looked at what made this country great was the fact that we could all 
have our own unique ideas and, and we were able to express those in a respectful way mm-hmm. without being chastised or ridiculed for our beliefs. So back to your question, I love reading inspirational leadership books. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they could even be secular books. I like T.D. Jakes. You know, I read some of his you know, writings and it's not that maybe I agree with everything, but there's always something that you can pick out of somebody's work mm-hmm. that helps you to grow as a person or expand your mind enough so that you can understand perspectives from other people. Mm-hmm. I think too many times we get so entrenched in our own ideals or the ideals of our family and ideals of our friends that we can't think for ourselves anymore, that we need to just, you know, hop on their idea train and wherever it goes, that's where we all need to go. I'm totally against that. I think we're all free thinkers and we need to practice that more as educators. That's great. Thank you so much. Now, what does it mean to you to have a good team and how do you build and sustain one? Here's the thing. Team members are the team. Effective team members always, always, always place the team before themselves and they always find ways to assist the leader of that team or other team members to accomplish goals and also help safeguard the integrity of that team. They find a strong team can overcome individual bias. Mm-hmm. How many times have you been in, you know, on a team with somebody that may have felt a certain way about a topic, but because you are a team and you have a common goal that you are working for, they are able to put maybe that bias aside and to be able to debate and to communicate and to work together towards that common goal. I think that a strong team promotes a collaborative type of environment and it enhances the harmony of the team. So that means for me, we have put together curricular teams here, you know, at the middle school or even topical teams, you know, that we can focus on different issues and things like that to make the school a better place for our kids. And I love the fact that when we get five to 10 of our team members around, that it becomes such a collaborative endeavor that is effective where we have all viewpoints being listened to. And everyone is taking it in. It's not like anyone is thinking, I'm right. My way is the best way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you have to think about as far as harmony of a team. If you have someone on there that is not functioning as a team member, but pretty much acting as an individual, that is unhealthy for a team. So an effective team will accomplish the tasks at hand. Mm-hmm. They will achieve the goals that are put in place. And they will remain consistent with the values of that team and promoting all team members. And I think that comes with interest surveys. I'm big on surveys too. So if Mm -hmm. I want someone to be a part of a group, we've put together interest surveys that allow teachers to sign up for committees or groups Mm -hmm. that they feel strongly about. And I think when you have somebody that is passionate about something, you're going to get a hundred percent out of that person. You know, I love that you use surveys because what it also tells me is that you don't just make decisions because you feel it's the right thing, but you value other people's input. That's a great thing to do. You know, as you were talking about teams and collaboration, to operate that cohesively, you need to build trust, right? It's paramount. How do you build trust? I think one way 
that we all can build trust, and this goes in any of our relationships, is being transparent in our communications. Don't sugarcoat things. Don't necessarily come and, you know, whack them in the forehead with something, but Mm -hmm. there is a way to say something and get a point across or a message across without offending where there is an understanding that is happening. And I truly believe that transparent, open, effective communication is the first thing towards trust. And when you do say something, please Mm -hmm. make sure you back it up because if you say something and you're going to do that, people Mm -hmm. expect you to do it. And if you do not follow through with that, then that's not building a trust. Plus, you need to back your team. When there are successes, I've always used the term we, 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 we. When there are failures, a good leader puts that on his shoulders. And that's the only time that I should ever be used Mm. when dealing with a team. Well, Kevin, I love the way you think. (laughs) So, Kevin, can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it shaped your life? Wow, this is a heavy one. I went through a rough patch one time with a supervisor who operated in an authoritarian type of manner. Just one? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I've been pretty fortunate. I know, I know. I've been very blessed with most of the leaders that Mm -hmm. I've had the opportunity to work with. And this person would many times, if they felt threatened or if they were out of their depth when dealing with certain circumstances, Mm -hmm. or if like maybe I had a better insight to a problem, it would seem like they would find a way to put me down or to discourage me in some way, in a way to actually raise them up in their own minds. And this is what the tough thing was because, and I'm saying this for all your listeners that maybe are in a position like this. As a result of this experience, I began over time to question my own abilities and skills. I started to think, what is wrong with me? Why is this happening this way? Mm -hmm. And so these thoughts began to enter my mind. And what I had to do is I had to say, stop. I had to take control of those thoughts and consciously speak positively to myself and to encourage myself because I learned that the only person who I can control is me and me alone. And so I'm going to focus on working on the inner me. And what we have to understand is we're all going to have bosses or situations in our lives that could present stumbling blocks for us but they don't have to be obstacles. And what I chose to do is I chose to use these opportunities to actually understand myself better, my capabilities better, and to grow both personally and professionally. This person really stretched me and really made my life rough. Mm -hmm. So I had two choices. I could either, oh, woe is me. I could try to run from the situation or I could continue doing all things with excellence. I knew that my job performance, I was spot on. And I knew where certain jealousies or things were coming from. And I had to recognize it for what it was. And I think that was a turning point in my career where I said to myself, Kevin, you know what needs to be done. You know how to go about achieving this. You are not doing anything improperly. And if you are, I want someone to tell me. Mm. But don't ever make someone feel you like less of a person or question your skills and ability. That shaped who I am today. Because I will never allow somebody to ever, ever, ever impact me 
the way that that person did. And during this time, Kevin, did you have people speaking into your life positively? I had an awesome support group. I know I always had my family and they're so important to me, but there were people who would see this happening. And I wasn't the only person that this would happen to. And when it would happen, we would band together, not so much to gossip, not so much to talk ill of somebody, but to encourage one another. We made an agreement that, listen, what we are doing, we are doing in the best interest for our children and for our staff. And moving forward, that is how we're going to operate. We had each other's backs. And if things got rough or maybe something was said, we made sure that we were there to encourage each other. College professors that I had, you know, that I got to be really good friends with, I would just call them and I would ask them their advice about situations. And I would lay it all out for them. And you know what? They would mm-hmm. speak wisdom into my life. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, what a revelation. So there's a lot to learn from all the people that you come in contact with in your life. It's just knowing what resource that you need to reach out to at mm-hmm. that time. And certainly tap into those resources. I think that's really smart to know that you're not alone and you do need to operate as your own best friend. You will come across leaders like this. And I think it teaches us too not to be that type of leader. You would think, but where there must be another <laughs> school that they're teaching this. I don't get it. If you don't have people speaking into your life, I know that's what happens. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> so, Kevin, thank you for sharing that. Now, can you tell us about one of your greatest successes? Yes. When I came to South Park, even though it was middle school by name, we pretty much had more of a junior high approach to education. We had an advisory program, which was good, but it seemed like as far as the social emotional impact on children was lacking. So in my second year, we were able to create a true middle school concept where teachers had their common planning time where they can meet and talk about students, where parent meetings could be held during the school day to talk about interventions and things that students needed. Our classes went from singles to block classes that created opportunities for students to work longer on projects and offer the teachers the ability to put projects in place and they had the time to actually work with them. You know, we started to put in like our flipped classroom approach, which I think is an amazing tool in itself, you know, providing if you have like the one-to-one resources, which our school has now. So it was being able to mobilize the staff and to get buy-in from them. I mean, it was a process and it wasn't easy because Some of the more traditional teachers had some reservations about it. And then you just had to explain to them and go visit other schools that maybe had this type of model for them to see what it actually looks like. And it wasn't anything to fear. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that we took that risk because it opened the door for a lot of other opportunities for our district to move forward. One more thing that we're doing with Act 339, that's the Career Readiness Initiative. State of Pennsylvania, we have to infuse career standards. Another unfunded mandate. Don't get me started on that. Okay. (laughs) We're going to talk about that in a minute, I guess. (laughs) So what we did was this year, I got together with our librarian and, you know, my assistant and our guidance counselor, and we were talking about how could we best serve these students and to accomplish the goals and the objectives of this Act 339? So what we did was at grades five, six, seven, and eight, we were creating career awareness classes that were run on a 30-day rotation 
that will achieve the goals of each grade level's expectations for those career goals. Plus, it will also warehouse their sources of evidence. So it's just neat that when you have buy-in from your staff and people stepping up like our librarian saying, hey, I understand that the libraries are evolving with the times. I mean, it's no longer a library. It's a media center. It's the hub of the school. This is the lifeline of the school. And so we're just excited that she is on board, that she is taking this on, and we're able to implement such a worthwhile program for our students. So we're hoping that we're in the forefront of most schools. And if any of your listeners ever want any information on that, they can reach out to me and we'd like to have you for a visit. So how can they reach out to you? Email me. It's Kevin.Monahan, M-O-N-A-G-H-A-N at S-P-A-R-K-S-D dot O-R-G. Perfect. Or you can look up South Park School District. We're a tiny bedroom community in southwestern Pennsylvania, right outside of Pittsburgh. Or you can call me at school. It's 412-655-3111, extension 3000. I appreciate your generosity because you want to share what works with other people. And that's why we do what we do. So thank you so much. And I know you spoke a little bit about unfunded mandates and maybe I'm setting you up here, but you can talk about whatever you want. If there were something you could change in education, what would that be? Unfunded mandates. That is a big pet peeve of mine. And I'm just saying that when the government decides to step in and tell the school districts what they need to do, and it requires extra funds, but there is nothing additional in our allotment, that has to be frustrating, especially for smaller school districts where you do have limited funds and a limited tax base in order to pay for some of these things. And it's only through the creativity of staff that allows these mandates to actually be put in place. Mm -hmm. So unfunded mandates, one that I wish that they would look at a little more seriously. The second thing is emphasis on standardized tests. Now, my progressive buddy, you get him started on this. It's, wow, I can't get out of the room for like eight hours. Okay. Maybe we should have him on the show. I think you would like that. Dr. Rob Furman is a great guy. Perfect. I think our emphasis on standardized tests, I believe that you have to have standardized tests, but even in Pennsylvania here, we have all these different ways that we're assessing our students now, but it's still heavily based on the test. They may say it's based on student attendance. They may say it's based on the number of kids that are advanced. Majority of the score is based on these tests. Now, you know, as well as I do, when we're giving seven days of testing in April, Think about it. As a kid in grades three through eight, you're taking three days of an ELA assessment, which is heavy with text-dependent analysis writing, evidence-based responses. Honestly, I see more apathy now than I have than ever before Mm -hmm. as far as when it comes to these tests. So we're trying to take a true measure of where these students are and compare them to where they were last year. And there is no consideration taken towards, are they ill that day? What's going on with their family life? Their mind is on something else. Do they even really care about this exam? Mm -hmm. It's like the teacher's hands are tied because you have to watch what you say and how you say it. And how do you ensure that every student is giving their best effort in this? On that particular day in that particular time. Yep. Exactly. And another thing about standards too, listen, I 100% believe that we all need to have 
minimum standards. But think about this. Aren't we supposed to be individualizing education for students? Mm. So if we have standards in place, right, and we're expecting all of our students to achieve certain standards, I understand that some people do a great job being creative and being able to infuse a lot with their curriculum. But in some cases, it takes more professional development in order to do that. So that's kind of like where I am with that. I see the value of a standardized test, but I do not agree with how those results are used in order to judge our teachers or judge our school districts. Well, thank you for sharing that. Now, Kevin, you touched on this a little bit. What do you do on a daily basis to set your mind for the responsibilities you have? This may sound a little bit odd to you, but I heard many, many, many years ago that you should start every day by conversing with at least three positive people before you hit that negative person. So, Okay, so tell us how you do that. Well, I have some friends. I do have three friends at least, okay, just so you know. <laughs> so you speak to them before you start your day? On my way to school, I'll, awesome. I'll be in my car. I'll be in my car and I'll be like, you know, Hey, Chuck, what's going on today, man? Anything going on? Yeah. And they're good friends. You know, they're the kind of friends that have been with you your entire life. You know, they're happy for you when you're having successes and you're happy for them when they're having successes. They weep, you weep. It's like Mm -hmm. those kind of relationships that have formed over time that you feel good about. When you get off the phone, you're like, wow, I enjoyed that. I'm not depressed at all. Sometimes when I don't have an opportunity to talk to all three of my people, when I walk into my building, Usually there's somebody sitting here wanting to talk about something and Mm -hmm. I try to keep it positive. That's the first way that I start out. Another thing I try to do is I maintain a to-do list because I have to write things down because remember how I mentioned about squirrels and shiny objects, Mm -hmm. I get distracted. So Mm -hmm. if I don't have a to-do list, I have trouble keeping myself organized. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, I put my to-do list together for the next day. And when I walk into my office, I review that to-do list again at the beginning And I make certain that before I act on any of those to-do items that I'm thoroughly prepared to accomplish them. You know, I try to set a plan in my head as far as who do I need to talk to in order to accomplish this goal? What do I need to have prepared in order to accomplish this one? Um, So time is precious. And I want to ensure that whatever time I have available to me, that my time on task is used efficiently. Because here's the thing, sometimes we get too busy I mean, we can just be so wrapped up in our work that we just get all caught up in the busyness. And you can't allow yourself to do that. You have to build margin. You have to build downtime in your day. Because if you don't, you will become mentally exhausted, which will then feed into your physical exhaustion. And then you end up making yourself sick. So at the end of every day, like when I close things out, I reflect on the things from that day. And I ask myself, you know, any ways that I could have handled things better, or if I'm content in how I handled things. Mm -hmm. Like I told you, I will write in my reflection journal and I'll read that, refresh what I said the day prior, Mm -hmm. just to make sure that I'm focused on a day ahead. And that's basically it. Wonderful. So Kevin, if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? First of all, I would tell myself, don't try to do everything on your own. And guess what? You don't always have the best ideas or the best ways to go about doing things. You need to surround yourself with good people who will provide you with good advice and suggestions. Don't be afraid to empower people. They are not going to take your place. They may not complete a task the same way that you would, but it's going to get done. 
And please, please, please don't try to control everything. Micromanaging isn't the way to go. That's what I would tell me. <laughs> That's great advice. All right. So, Kevin, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, I told you I was in a band, right? Tell us about that. All right. Well, about 10 years ago, we started our anti-bullying program here at South Park. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to have a huge kickoff community event. So what we did was we organized a spaghetti dinner and got a fire hall. And we were like, hey, shouldn't we have maybe some kind of entertainment? So what we did was we formed a band that put together some songs that were upbeat, uplifting songs. Mm -hmm. And the band was made up of myself, a couple of my teachers, the elementary principal, my good friend, Dr. Rob Furman. We had a sound guy come in and we just rocked that place for like two hours. And I mean, it was so fun. And I mean, the people really enjoyed it. And so as a result of that, some of the people were like, hey, do you want to come out and play to our South Park Community Day? And why don't you play there and do this? So we put our little band together and we started playing community days and people start showing up to these gigs. And we're like, wow, man, I said, this is pretty cool. And then we started getting requests from around the area at different locations that said, hey, would you mind coming Weddings, out? Weddings, bar mitzvahs. Hey, we'll do it all. Come on. <laughs> so our band is called the 412 District. And we perform throughout the Pittsburgh region. And as a matter of fact, we're going to be performing in Philadelphia at the International Society of Technology Education or ISTE conference uh, this summer. And what we do is we play classic rock, alternative or country music covers. But we also perform our own originals that have just been released on CD Baby, Spotify, iTunes and YouTube. And if any of your listeners want to check us out, we have a lot of good messages in our song. There's a song that I wrote about my dad. He was in Vietnam and just the struggles that he had gone through and then we as a family had gone through. And it's a very powerful song and it's called Stand. So if you want to check us out, they can go on our website and then go www.the412district.com. And, um, and you already mentioned that Dr. Rob Furman and I, we present around the country about instructional technology and how that technology impacts teachers. So that's basically me in a nutshell. Kevin, I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. It's been so much fun. I really appreciate you having me. This was so fun. Great. So have a great evening. All right. You have a blessed day. Hello, leaders. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.